Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus puts these invitations out to us, right, to go somewhere, to do something, to become something. And then it really depends on how we respond to his invitation. Somebody say amen. amen. So last week when we were looking at this uh, series, Jesus is uh, inviting his disciples to go out and do something great. He says, I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you authority. Go out and heal people. Go out and touch people. Share the gospel, the good news with them. And they respond to his invitation by going out to do uh, what he's uh, asked them to do or uh, invited them to do. This week, what we're going to be looking at is when they take off, Jesus decides to go to the cities that they're from, and Jesus begins to minister there. An interesting thing is when we respond to God's invitations to do something, to be a part of something, to do what he wants us to do. Somebody say, he wants. He wants. If we do what he wants us to do, what, what often happens is he'll go do what we would have rather done ourselves, right? So the disciples, instead of going to their cities, their communities, their families, their friends, right, where they would choose to go, they listen to Jesus, they go where he asked them to go, and then Jesus sneaks off and says, well, I'm going to go to their towns, I'm going to go to their cities, I'm going to go to their families. It's a great thing in the, in the kingdom when you begin to realize that principle that, you know, the things that you care about, Jesus cares about them too. Somebody say amen. The things that you think are not going to get done and not going to get finished and aren't, these people aren't going to feel loved and they're not going to get what they need. If you just do what the Lord has asked you to do or invited you to do, he'll take care of everything else. Amen? Amen. Amen. So why don't we pray? Lord, we thank you. This morning we ask that uh, we would recognize the invitations that you're making in this morning, in this moment to each and every one of us, Lord. That we would look back and maybe see other invitations, Lord, that we haven't opened or we haven't responded to, Lord. And see if those doors would still be open to us, Lord God. Remind us, Lord, that in order to respond to you, to go where you've told us to go, asked us to go, invited us to go, Lord, there will be other things that we have to deny, Lord. Other things that we can't do, places that we can't go, Lord. But we trust you this morning. We ask that we would be able to hear your voice, that you would plant seed deep inside of our hearts this morning, Lord God, and that you would give us the strength and the wisdom, Lord, to respond to you uh, 
with yes, Lord. With send us, send us, we'll go, Lord. Have your way this morning over your word, over your message. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 11. Verse 1 says, It came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. When John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. So we're looking at the invitations of the Lord. Number one, invitation number one is we are invited to come, hear, and see. Invited to come, hear, and see. John's in prison and he's struggling because what he knows that he knows that he knows doesn't seem to be unfolding the way that he knew it would. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced that in the Lord, in your walk with God, where you're like, there's just, I know who God is and I know what he's going to do and I know how this is going to unfold and I know exactly what's going to happen because God loves me and I love him. And then you look up and it didn't go that way. John was raised up from the time he was a child. He was in the church. He was faithful. He denied all the things that we're telling our young people. Don't do those things. Go in the direction of God. Be set apart. Deal with the hardships. John did all of that stuff. He sees the king come. He baptizes him. Holy Spirit falls. And then John's like, yes. And then he's like, no. (laughs) He finds himself in prison, doubting all the decisions that he's made, doubting all the commitments that he's made. And he looks up and he says to his disciples, go and ask him, man, are you really the one? Is this really the one? Are these the people? Is this the church? Is this what you have for me? Is this what I worked all that time for? And here I am in prison and you're out there running around and you forgot about me and all the work that I've done. We've all had those times where things don't seem to be adding up. Sometimes we only question our immediate circumstances, right? this job or this relationship or this friendship, and we begin to question things. There's other times where we question our whole faith. Am I really serving God? Is God really real? Does he really love me? Does he see my situation and my circumstances? John's in one of those times where he's questioning everything. Are you even the Messiah? What would you have to go through to see the the Holy Spirit descend like a dove upon Jesus and remain on him, and then just a short while later asking, are you the one? If it can happen to John, it can happen to us. Say amen. Amen. Let's look at Jesus' response. John says, are you the coming one or do we look for another? And Jesus responds to him the same way he would respond to us. He says, go tell John the things which you hear and see. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts him. Jesus doesn't say... Let me fix John's situation. Let me fix his circumstance. Let me get him out of prison. Let me remind him how much I love him. Let me hold him close and hold him tight. He says, no, listen, go tell John what you guys see and what you guys hear. Deaf are having their ears open. Blind are being able to see. The crippled are being able to walk. Those who are poor are having the gospel preached to them. What does that have to do with John sitting in prison and his situation? Nothing. 
When we have our seasons of doubt, when we have our seasons of worry, what is it that Jesus is actually inviting us to? I think he's inviting us to see and to hear what he's doing in the lives of others. When you come to church, when you're going through a hard time, do you typically come in and say, Lord, I need to see you. You've got to do something. Change my situation. I'm going to hit the altar. I'm going to pray. I'm going to cry. Whatever it takes. And he's like, why don't you just focus on somebody else for five minutes? You're not feeling anything, but why don't you just open your eyes and look at the people who are crying at the altar? You don't feel the presence of God? Why don't you just open the ear and listen to those who are talking about everything he did this week yeah. in their homes and in their lives and with their kids? He doesn't change anything about John's situation and circumstance. He just tells them, just come see and hear. He sends his disciples back to him. Don't tell them that I'm coming. <laughs> don't tell them that it's going to get better. Don't tell them that I'm going to fix everything. Just tell them what you see me doing out here. Is our faith based on what we see and hear that the Lord is doing, or is it based on how we feel personally? This is John the Baptist, and that's Jesus' response to him. I think a lot of us have, uh, we can look back and I know the day that I got saved. I know the moment. I know what was going on in the world, what was going on in my life, what was going on with my friends and family. And I can say that was the moment that I got saved. But I think more people just can look back and, and remember a season of what they were hearing about God and what they were seeing about God led them into faith. Just seeing God move, hearing the word of God preached watching God in somebody else's life, and all of a sudden they just look at him and say, you know what, I really am beginning to believe this, that he is real, that he is alive, that he does care, that he can do the, same, the things that he says that he can do. I think the greatest weapon or the greatest tool for the Christian and for the church is exposure. If we can expose people so they can actually see and hear, hear the word of God and see the power of God, I think that's what leads to faith. John chapter 8, verse 32 says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I often think that if people would come to church, come to see and hear, and really evaluate what they're seeing and what they're hearing, that I think it's really hard to deny the reality of Jesus. He's doing exactly what he's promised to do. The problem is most of us, we remember when it was us, but we all know people who just won't go see and they won't listen. We don't know what the real truth claims of Jesus are. So if you have somebody who won't open their eyes and look, they won't open their ears and hear, they don't know exactly what Jesus promises to do, how can you ever, right, how can you ever get to a place where you have faith, where you actually believe? It's like the video, she was like, what you failed to see is that J plus the Q is an X and that doesn't equal me going. It's the same thing, it's a very simple equation. If you don't hear the truth of God and know what he's promised and you don't see him actually moving in the lives of people, you will never have faith. I do believe that any one encounter uh, in a church service, a worship service, the word of God going forth, any one encounter with any of you Christians, with any of your friends, family, coworkers, any stranger that you know, I think a single encounter with the presence of God can change somebody's life. But I do believe that more than likely, it's going to be a consistent hearing and seeing the word of God and the power of God. Right. Amen. 
to where you can't deny it anymore. You can't make up an excuse as why, well, I just felt something different because I like that song. I just felt something different because I'm just going through some things emotionally and, and he was just talking about some things that I've been struggling with and that's all that was, that wasn't God. No, if you consistently hear the truth, you consistently see the power of God, you'll be out of excuses and then you'll have to make a decision. Yeah. Romans 10, 17, Paul says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want to you wanna know how to get your family saved, your kids saved, get them to serve God, get them to know who he is? Make sure that they are consistently hearing the word of God because the, the word says here, faith comes by hearing the word of God. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, Paul says, our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. Talk is cheap, even if it's the truth, if it doesn't come with power. If you say God is a healer, but you haven't been healed. If you say God is a deliverer, but you're still addicted. If you say God can reconcile and restore, but your relationships are still jacked up, there's no power in that. So they've got to hear the word of God and actually see the power. If you're still angry and depressed and frustrated all the time, I wouldn't want to go to church with you. There's no power in that. God says, listen, they got to hear the word of God, but not just, let me just read it to you. It says here in this book that if this happens, then that will happen. And yes, did you hear it? Good. Do you believe? No. <laughs> Show that your life has been changed. Show that you've been touched. Show that something is different. I want to look at a story. We see this king's invitation that we're talking about this morning. Paul's uh, putting this invitation out to a group of people. They have an opportunity to hear the truth, but they also get to see the power of God alive in somebody's life, right? So you're not just talking about it. Paul is actually uh, testifying, and he has this, this uh, power that he speaks with and a testimony of what God has done in his life. This is Acts chapter 17 from verse 16. It says that Paul waited for them at Athens. His spirit was provoked within him when he saw the city was given over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily with those who happen to be there, right? So he's not just going to church for all the church folks like us. Say church folks. Church folks. After he's done with the church folks, he goes out to the mall. He goes out to downtown Brea. He goes back to the city that he belongs to. He goes to the coffee shop, the burger stand, and he starts talking to people about who God is. It says in verse 18, Certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said, He seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods, because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. They took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know what these things mean. For all the Athenians and the foreigners who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. So picture this. He's talking to people in the church. He's talking to people in the word. And they're like, man, this dude's crazy. He's just talking about some new God, some new doctrine. But they're intrigued. They're like, well, let's hear a little bit more. It says that all the people just wanted to talk, hear something new, say something new, put a new idea out there. Isn't that the world that we live in now? Everybody wants to tell you something. Everybody wants to sell you something. Everybody has an opinion. Hey, I'm, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. I like rocks, and I like stars, and I read horoscopes. But what do you like? And everybody's just talking. A couple thousand years ago, apparently it was the same thing, and that's where Paul finds himself. It says, Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, 
I perceive that in all the things, all things, or excuse me, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. He's in the city and he's like, you guys love so many gods and you worship so many things and you know that there's something you don't know, so you even made an altar for the unknown God, in case we missed one. He says, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. Imagine if we were able to say to people, listen, what you find in the horoscopes, you're missing it. Let me tell you about the one who created the stars. What you find in nature and your love of nature, let me show you the one who created it. What you find in your friendships and you say that that's pure relationship and pure love, let me tell you about pure love and the creator of love. What you find in intimacy and physical contact with the opposite sex, let me show you what real intimacy is really about. Imagine if we talk like this. Paul didn't, didn't shoot them down and tell them, go to church or you're going to hell. He said, listen, what you're trying to do, I can show you how to really do it. He says, God who made the world and everything in it, since he's Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your, your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Let me turn here. Actually, Ray, you got it going? Let me read it from yours. Next one. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Because he has appointed a day in which, a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, we will hear you again on this matter. Next one. So Paul departed from among them. However, some men joined him and believed among them Dionysius, the Areopagite, a woman named Demarius, and others with them. So this message is about the invitation. Paul gets to this whole group of people, right? And he's preaching this message, and he hits all the high points. You don't know God. You're a child of God. Death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it says this, that at the end of all that, some said, you're crazy. Some said, hey, I'd like to hear more about this. I'll hear you again. And others accepted the invitation and believed. They give us three by name. Which are we this morning? Do we accept the invitation that God has put out? Are we bold enough like Paul to put it out there like that to groups of people he doesn't know? He's talking to the church folks and he's talking to the people who are just out and about in the marketplace, it says. He says, come in here. Come and see my God. How many of us can say that? Come and hear the word of God. Come to my church. <laughs> come and see our men. Think about that for a second. How many of you women here would say, you want to know God? Come and see our women. 
<laughs> oh, you want, you want your, your young teenagers to serve God? Come and see our youth. Amen. You want your kids to worship and know the word of God and praise God? Come and see our kids. How many of you, as men and women of God, will be able to say that to your coworkers? You want to know God? Come and see me. Amen. Hear what I have to say about his word and see the power alive in my life. What do we do in church? I feel like that's what Paul is standing up and saying, listen, I serve the God that has the truth, and I serve the God that will show his power. Is there any reason why we shouldn't be able to say the same? Wake up. <laughs> any reason why we shouldn't be able to say the same? Amen? Yeah. Imitation number one, he says, come here, come see. Imitation number two this morning, Jesus is uh, inviting us to be used, but according to his will. Many of us say, Lord, I want to be used, but this is how I want to be used. This is when I want to be used. I'm good on Sundays, second Sunday and third Sunday, between 10 and 12. And every other month, bills go up a little bit because the cell phone, the way my checking and my savings and my savings and my checking. <laughs> That's not how it works with the Lord. It's not use me according to my will. It's he wants to use you. He's inviting you to be used, but according to his will. Amen. Jesus sends the messengers back to John. He says, focus on my truth, focus on my power, pay attention to what I'm doing in other people's lives, not your own circumstances. And then Jesus turns his focus back uh, to these people who he's gone to minister to. Verse uh, 7 of Matthew 11. It says, as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet, for this is him of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. So look at this picture. John's in prison, questioning his faith, questioning Jesus, questioning his whole upbringing and what he's devoted his life to, right? And he's asking God, why aren't you saving me? Why aren't you saving me? Why aren't you getting me out of prison? Why aren't you changing my circumstances? He says, man, it's time for me to be rewarded. I did all this stuff for you, and you're finally here. Reward me. Exalt me. And what does Jesus do? Jesus is telling a multitude of people how amazing John is and that no one person is greater than him. He's questioning his faith because he's saying, this isn't how I would like to be used. <laughs> This isn't the circumstances that I would like to be in. But Jesus is saying, you're right where I want you, and I'm using you according to my will, not according to your will. I think many of us are ashamed when we go through things because we talk all this stuff about God and his goodness, and then when things don't go according to our plan, we doubt God and we hide from people. When we're struggling, all of a sudden we ain't showing up to church. When we're struggling and, and things aren't working out how we thought, all of a sudden we don't have our Bible on our desk at work anymore. We ain't posting scriptures on Facebook no more because we're ashamed and we're hiding because we think if God really loved us and we really loved God, we must have done something wrong to be going through what we're going through. 
But if we understood, if we looked at scriptures like this, God says, I'm inviting you to be used, but according to my will. It's not always going to look good. You're not always going to be happy. You're not always going to be able to say to everybody, look, I'm blessed with heaven's best. This is what will happen if you go to church too. This is what your life would look like. If you pay your tithe, this is what happen in your finances. That's not how it works all the time. Sometimes it looks ugly. Sometimes we're in the middle of drama. Sometimes our relationships are fractured and hurting and messed up, and there's some things that we're going through. It doesn't mean we're outside of the will of God. It means that we've been invited to be used according to his will. You know, sometimes it serves the Lord better for us to be in prison than for us to be in the penthouse. He's like, John, I can use you more sitting in prison as one of the greatest servants and the most faithful men, but there you find yourself in prison. I can use that more than exalting you to some kingship. If I make you a king on this earth, everybody's going to be saying, well, that must be what God always does to people's life. He says, but listen, there's going to be people who are dying, people who are martyred, people who are suffering, and their faith is going to be shown through that suffering. But every time we suffer, we hide and we doubt God. It's because we want, to, we want God and we love God. Don't get me wrong, but we want him our way. Lord, use me to be like the example of all the blessings. <laughs> Don't use me to be like the suffering saint. <laughs> if you need some suggestions, I know some people who need to suffer, Lord. I'll tell you who they are. Think about these invitations and why people don't want to take them, right? You're invited to come in here and see. Then you're invited to be used according to his will. This is what Jesus has to say about his disciples and people like John and some others that we've been looking at in our Wednesday night study in Hebrews. I'm going to read this story. I want you to ask yourself as I read it, would you rather honestly have the comforts and happiness and drama-free life that I do believe is available here. If that's what you want, you can find that here. Or would you be willing to accept this invitation from the Lord to be used according to his will, but have him speak these types of words about you? Those are the two options, right? So think about it. Here it is. John 17, verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you as you've given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. He says, I've glorified you on the earth. I've finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself. Say, finish the work. work. Listen to what Jesus is saying. He says, I've finished everything that I was supposed to do. Now glorify me. Right? He doesn't say, I'm sitting in prison and I think I finished everything I was supposed to do. Glorify me. Get me out of prison like what John wants, like what we want. Lord, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. Glorify me now. Help me. Bless me. Jesus is able to say, I've finished the work. It says, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you've given me out of the world. They were yours, but you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you, for I have given to them the words which you have given to me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. 
I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. Think about that. Would you want Jesus talking about you like that? No matter where you were, even if you're in prison, he's saying, listen, you gave him to me and I pray for him. You gave her to me and I pray for her. Or would you rather just have blessings? All, all mine are yours and yours are mine. I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, Father, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. I do not pray that you should always take them out of prison. I do not pray that they would always pay their bills. I do not pray that they would have an easy life. I do not pray that you would take them out of the world. Just keep them from the evil one. If you're broke, be broke with Jesus. If you're in prison, be in prison with Jesus. Right? If you're hurting, be hurting, but have Jesus. Sometimes this, this thing drives me crazy because it's like, that's not what it's supposed to say. Shouldn't Jesus be praying, Lord, in this thing? Take them out of the world. Bring them home. He says, nope, I don't pray for that. <laughs> Just keep them from the evil one in the midst of all their drama. He says, they are not of the world just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. The invitation is come and see, come and hear. Jesus is talking about his disciples. He says, it's going to be bad for them, but I don't want you to take them out of the world. And not only am I praying for them, I'm praying for those who are going to be sitting in this little church in 2018 because they're going to believe in me. He's praying, Jesus is praying for us. But we don't want to be in prison ever. And we don't want to suffer ever. Of all the times of the year as we have uh, Christmas approaching, what a time not to be serving or worshiping or believing in a fake Jesus. This is the real Jesus. These are the real prayers. He said, they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you've sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am. Jesus is like, look, I'm trying to get back to heaven. I'm trying to take as many of you with me as possible. Don't worry if you find yourself in prison. As long as you got me, you're going to be with me in a much better place. It's easy to forget, but this is the kind of faith we have to have, church. <clears throat> he says, I want them to behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world, O righteous Father. The world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and I will declare it, that the love which you loved me 
may be in them and I in them. What an invitation to be used according to his will and not according to ours. To be blessed according to his blessings, like our youth series about what it really means to be blessed, not what we think it means to be blessed. <clears throat> Tough invitations this morning. <laughs> Invitation number one, we're invited to come and hear and see. Invitation number two, we're invited to be used according to his will. Invitation number three is we're in, uh, an invitation out of indecision. An invitation out of indecision. Many of us know what it's not like to be indecisive. We don't know what we want to do. We think we know what we want to do, and then as soon as somebody says, okay, let's do that, then all of a sudden we're questioning, I don't know if I really want to do that anymore. One thing I love about Jesus is that he's not indecisive. He says, don't be double-minded. He says, you'll be unstable. Make a decision and roll with it. <laughs> what an invitation from the Lord. Don't be indecisive. Verse 11 of Matthew 11. Jesus says, Assuredly I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I liken this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions and saying, We played the flute for you and you didn't dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her children. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. So Jesus is saying, <laughs> you've got some decisions to make. You've seen enough to know which direction you need to go. Stop being indecisive and make a decision. Listen to this in verse 12. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. How many of you have heard that scripture before? Matthew 7, 13 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. So I believe this. Not only is the, the path narrow and the gate narrow, but it's also difficult because the enemy has set up ambushes for us. Here's the picture that, you, that I think Jesus is trying to paint here about being indecisive, but also knowing what you're deciding to do. He's saying, listen, there's a broad road, and it's nice, and there's plenty of places to hide, and there's plenty of places just to hang out. There's lots of shade trees, and you can just kick it, and life will be pretty good for you here. He says, but there's this narrow road, and it's the only road that leads to life, but it's dangerous. And it's violent, and there is an ambush laid for you. You know exactly where you're going, but guess what? The enemy knows exactly where you're going. <laughs> 
But still, that's not an excuse to be indecisive. I got another video for you guys. Yay. <laughs> Go ahead, Ray. So what did you guys do at church this weekend? <laughs> so what a fitting, fitting title for this movie. It's called Clear and Present Danger. Those of you that hopefully you like movies, Harrison Ford, 80s, 90s, no? It's all right. I want to show you this because I feel like when I read the scripture that says uh, the kingdom suffers violence, the violent take it by force, he says that it's a narrow path. This this movie, this scene, it's a narrow road, it's a narrow path, and it's violent. And as soon as it starts to pop up, what did you hear him say? Go back, go back, go back! <laughs> How many people have we seen try to come to God and then it pops off? All of a sudden the family wants to talk about you, and people are shooting rocket launchers at you. You're seeing your friends falling left and right all around you. Jesus says, listen, don't be indecisive. There ain't no go back, go back, go back. <laughs> there also isn't any uh, being naive and not knowing that it's going to be a violent fight for your soul and for your life and for your destiny and for your future. He says, few find it. Much, many more people won't even go down that road. And there's a lot of churches that will lie to you and say that there's an easier way. There's no easy way. you got to be willing to listen. Most people are not going to die physically, a physical death, in order to get into a relationship with Jesus. But in the spiritual realm, that's what it looks like. 
It's a fight. It's a battle. There's blood and guts. There's, there's things. You got to be willing to give everything. You cannot be indecisive. If you tiptoe into this thing with Jesus, you will never make it to the gate. And you will never make it through. Because it's hard. And Jesus himself is telling us, listen, from the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. So many people look at church, God, the ministry, faith, right? And when you see other people going down all around you, it's so much easier just to turn back. Don't be indecisive. Don't put your faith in people. Put your faith in Jesus. What an invitation. (laughs) Sounds like I'm trying to get people not to respond to the invitation this morning, but I'm not. I love what Jesus says. He says, it's the only road that leads to life, though. Verse 18 and 19 of uh, Matthew 11 this morning, it says, John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. What is Jesus saying? He's saying everybody's got an excuse, right? You look at John and you say, oh, he's, he's, he's too religious. He doesn't do anything. I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to follow that guy. You look at Jesus and it's like, well, he's not religious enough because he's hanging out with a bunch of sinners. I'm definitely not going to follow that guy. If you're looking for a reason not to go towards God, you can find one. Oh, I, I, I want God, but I'm just not into church because you know how church is. Well, I don't need a pastor because, you know, I've heard this about pastors and and what they did with the money and what they did with this person. Well, I'm good with religion, but this book is just too rigid, too many rules. (laughs) Stop making excuses and stop being indecisive. That's the invitation that Jesus puts out. He says, when he starts telling all these churches and all these cities, like, look, if you guys, if other people had seen what you have seen me do, everybody would have been repenting. He's saying Sodom and Gomorrah, as bad as it was, if they saw what you've been able to see, they would have repented. But here you are, indecisive. You see marriages restored. You see kids serving God. You see reconciliation and restoration and forgiveness and love and prayer and tears and joy. And you still won't serve me? You're indecisive. And it's going to be worse for you than it was for Sodom and Gomorrah. That's the invitation. I'm going to close. Somebody say, thank God. (laughs) Matter of fact, just Isaiah, would you come up? Invitation number one this morning was to come in here and see. Invitation number two, we've been invited to be used according to his will, not our will. Invitation number three is an invitation out of indecision. There's clear and present danger. It's a narrow road. It's violent. But the violent take it by force. And the last one this morning, invitation number four, is an invitation into rest and an invitation into peace. The end of the chapter of Matthew chapter 11, Jesus makes another invitation to us. It says, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and prudent, and you've revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So you kind of hear all these very challenging and rough invitations, right? Come hear the word of God. Come see who I am and see my power in action. Come and be changed. Jesus says here at the end, if you're in a good place and you're in a great place, don't worry about it. Stay where you are. But if you're tired, if you're burdened, if you're hurting, if you're feeling unloved, if you're feeling unlovable, if you're already stressed out about Christmas, (laughs) he says, come to me. Here's the invitation you really need to respond to. He says, come to me. says that Jesus is lowly in heart, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Coming to Jesus, responding to that invitation, is coming to love and coming to freedom like we've never known before. The first time and every time thereafter, I love that when we sang that song and then Raymond got up here and said, man, I remember that song. You're my closest friend. That's, that's an invitation. Jesus still, after all these years, is making an invitation for a single song for you to lift up your voice and say, man, I want to come back to my closest friend. <laughs> my burden is light. He says, I'm lowly in heart. I'm going to tell you the truth, and the truth might hurt, but I'm going to tell you in love, he says. I think when we first hear the word, it sounds harsh. It sounds restrictive. But I think as it takes root in our hearts and in our minds, we realize that it's not harsh at all. It's not restrictive at all. It's loving and it's freeing. When we first consider being used according to the will of God and not according to our will, you know what it feels like when you first come to church and you're like, man, I think I'm going to do this Jesus thing. And it's like, I want to be used. And then you start to feel used like he used to use you and like she used to use you and like your friends have used you and your boss has used you. And you're like, man, this feels just like it felt in the world until you've gone a little further with the Lord. And you're like, man, this is actually nothing like that. He's using me according to his will. But for some reason, this feels good to me. (laughs) Forgot who sang it. He says, if it feels this good being used, go ahead and use me up. That's how I feel with Jesus. I'm not burdened to come to church. I'm not burdened to minister. I'm not burdened to tithe. I feel like, Lord, it's an honor to be used by you according to your will. But you got to go a little ways with him, I think, before you begin to feel that way. And I think when you first come out of indecision and out of doubt and you begin down that narrow, violent path, first thing you find is fear. It's scary and you've never been in places like that before. Like, man, I put all my eggs in this basket. Most of us are used to not giving everything, right? We're used to saying, we're telling somebody I love you, but we're holding something back, right? We never put all our eggs into one basket. I love what Devin said during worship. He said, listen, you can know of God without giving everything, but you cannot know God without giving everything. He says you have to surrender everything. So when you come out of indecision and you say, listen, for the first time, I'm going to give everything. All my secrets, all my lies, all my hurt, all my pain, my hopes, my future, my plans, my resources. I'm going to give everything. Man, it's scary. Because what if he's not who he says he is? And what if he can't do what he says he can do? And what if he turns out to be just like you and just like everybody else you've ever known? (laughs) 
Bible says, though, that perfect love casts out fear. There's nothing like that moment where you give everything to Jesus and he doesn't drop you. <laughs> where as scared as you are, you actually find out that he's capable of doing everything that he said he could do and loving you like nobody has ever loved you before. You're like, man, I'm so glad that I answered this invitation. <laughs> we can make up lies like we saw in the first video about why we can't respond to the invitation. Or we can feel good about ourselves by being honest about not responding to the invitation, right? She said, I'm just not going to go because I don't want to go. <laughs> but what you find in, when you respond to the Lord and say yes to his invitations, there's nothing like it. When you have your burdens and your sin, your anger, your unforgiveness removed, you'll never forget what that feels like. Matter of fact, why don't we do that right now for a second? Just stand with me. Bow your heads. Think about the Lord. I want you to think back. If you're here in this place and you're saved, think back to that day. Think back to that moment. Or think back to that season of your life where you came to faith, you crossed the line of faith, however that happened for you. And remember what it was like when you came to him and he removed those burdens. Picture the sin. Picture the anger. Picture the lies. Picture the anger, frustration, whatever it was that you were carrying for all that time. Many of us didn't even know we were carrying it until he lifted it off of us. Remember what that moment felt like to be free, to be forgiven, to not be burdened. Even if it just lasted for a moment where you didn't care what anybody else thought, you just realized that Jesus is alive and that he's real and that he loves you, that he's lowly in heart, that his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Man, what a feeling. The hope is that that feeling propels you forward and you just can't wait till you get to see your liberator face to face. There's going to come a day, there's going to come a time, there's going to come a moment where every burden is fully released. He says he's going to wipe away every tear. There's going to be no hurt. There's going to be no pain. We're going to know him as we're known. We're going to see him face to face. Until then, these invitations keep coming. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. A couple invitations I want to make this morning. The first is if you're here and you've never started down that narrow, dangerous road, but you'd like to this morning, maybe you've been hearing the word of truth, maybe you've been seeing the power of God alive in other people's lives, and you're at that place where you want that for yourself, you're beginning to believe, you're beginning to develop faith, but you got to get started down that narrow road. I'll be the first to tell you it's dangerous. I'll be the first to tell you uh, you're not going to get through it unscathed. <laughs> There's going to be some pain. There's going to be, um, there's going to be some blood. <laughs> but it's the only road that leads to life. There's no other way around it. Just like Jesus carried his cross up to Calvary and he gave his life, there was no other way. You have to give your life if you want to take up the life of Christ.
If that's you this morning, nobody's looking around, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. i just like you to identify yourself. You can raise your hand. You can look at me. You can wave at me, whatever you want to do. I'll tell you this. You don't have to go down the road alone. Everybody has had to go down it that finds life. I promise you that he's faithful. He'll be there waiting for you. <laughs> Is there anybody this morning you want to start down that road? Ready for what's going to be thrown at you and what's going to come at you? You won't say, go back, go back, go back. <laughs> Anybody this morning, just raise your hand. Hallelujah, Lord. Amen. I see you, sis. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, it's the best decision. This is the invitation that you, you had to answer. He's been waiting for you. It's not a group invitation. It had your name on it. I'm so happy for you, sis. Hallelujah. Anybody else this morning? Today's your day, starting down the road. Thank you, God. Second invitation. Are there any here this morning that you started down the road, but you ducked off to the side somewhere because it got pretty, got pretty dangerous? You were starting to take shots. It began to hurt. You know, you said, go back, go back, go back. But this morning you would say, man, I want to get to the end of this road. Would you raise your hand? This isn't your first time coming to, oh, I see you, sis. Anybody else? This isn't your first time coming to the Lord, but you got to get back on the road. You got to get back in the fight. You got to keep pushing forward. There's nothing behind you. The life is ahead of you. The hope is ahead of you. You're going to make it. Anybody else this morning? If that's you, would you just raise your hand so I can see you? Hallelujah, Lord. I see you too. Last invitation, then we're going to open the altars. We're going to worship. Prayer team, just prepare yourself to pray for those that would come. Here's the last invitation. If you just feel the Lord is inviting you to something, maybe it's nothing that I've said. Maybe it's nothing that's connected to the message, but you know God is calling you. He's inviting you to something, to step out, to go somewhere, to do something, to leave something behind, to respond to him, to be used according to his will and not yours. Whatever it is, I just want you to respond. Don't give him an excuse on why you can't go. Don't tell him you're going to go when you know you're not. Don't take pride in saying, I'm not ready for that. I'm just not going to go. No, just respond. Say, Lord, I say yes this morning. I don't care what the cost is. I'm so thankful that you're inviting me. How could I say no? Lord, I thank you for this service. I thank you for this time. I thank you that we get to keep coming to you, Lord. It's not just an initial invitation to come and to know you. It's a daily invitation to come and to know you more. You are lowly in heart, Lord God. Your burden is light. Your yoke is easy, Lord God. We want to come to you this morning, Jesus. We know that you love us. We know that it's dangerous and that it's violent, Lord God, and that there will be pain involved in this. Oh, but there's life on the other end of it. There's hope on the other end of it, Lord. Let us hear your word, but let us see your power here in this place this morning. As we receive communion this morning, Lord, remind us that it's not just taking bread. It's not just taking juice, Lord God, that you laid down your life. It was broken for us. You bled for us, Lord, that we would be able to have life, that we would be able to have forgiveness, Lord God. These are not theories. These are not ideas. These are not words that have no authority and no power, Lord. This is the truth, and the truth will set us free in this place this morning, Lord God. Meet us in communion. You are alive and well. You are at the right hand of the Father. You have sent your Holy Spirit to confirm these things to us, Lord. Let us meet you 
You've invited us to your altar. You've invited us to a table to dine with you, to have communion with you this morning. Lord, let us meet you here in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Altars are open. Come and pray. Come and receive communion. Come and worship. The Lord has invited you. Hallelujah, Lord. church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.